On the morning of the 4th of August 1892, Abby and Andrew Borden suffered multiple blows to their heads and bodies with a hatchet. With so few people having the means and motive to want the couple dead, the prime suspect quickly became Lizzie, Andrew's daughter, who had been angry at her father for not providing her with money to go to parties from his vast wealth. But was it really Lizzie who killed her father and stepmother in cold blood? Or was there another suspect that has never been caught? Join us as we explore the grisly and unsolved case of Lizzie Borden. Well, hello, our fellow weirdos. I am Amy, and this is the bit where you... Dom. Thank you. <laughs> and we hope you're having a fantastic week so far. And please do take this as your reminder that you are friggin' awesome. Just the fact that you're here means that you're probably a stand-up person and just generally incredible. So thank you for being here and thank you for listening. Um, and welcome to episode 36 of Horror House, which is an incredibly exciting episode for me because it's my very first taking the lead on a case. Boop, boop. <laughs> Dom, how are you and how are you feeling about handing over the reins to me this week? I'm good. Um, it's it's kind of weird in a way. It's kind <laughs> of like handing over my baby <laughs> in a way. Um, not that I think that you're going to like fucking balls this up um, oh i've dropped loads of people's not... babies <laughs> that's the reason why i don't hold them because i know that i'm gonna drop them <laughs> i would rather keep I would, my I'll, distance yeah, I'm good. I'll... <laughs> i mean the good, the good news is babies generally throw um, up on people when you hand them to someone else at least i know that you know the podcast isn't gonna throw up on me or at least i hope it's not i mean i, ho- I hope it doesn't as well because otherwise <laughs> we've got like some possessed podcast which which won't be good um but no but i'm good brand. i'm it, it will be on brand but no i i'm excited to to hear about lizzie borden i don't know much about the lizzie borden case so i'm very excited to to hear about it and hear what you've got to say and i know that you're going to smash this um so i'm very excited for you to have the reins on this one it was a pretty easy thing for me to be like you know what you take the reins so no i'm very excited very very excited oh thanks thanks for handing me your baby um but before i take over too much and right. then i get carried away how about you tell us a little bit about our patreon page yes yes um so we have a patreon for those who are unaware uh, got three tiers. It has got a £1.50 tier, a £4 tier and an £8 tier. If you want to do just general support and the perks aren't, you know, you're not too fussed about them by all means, you know, do the £1.50 tier. Um, obviously the £4 and the £8 tier do come with perks as well. So they come with early access to episodes. They come with uh, a bonus episode a month. And we are actually recording the bonus episode for October after this recording and it's very 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 on brand that's all i'm gonna say but yeah you get early access to episodes i know very exciting um early access to episodes bonus content you get ad free episodes as well and you get a few other a few other perks as well 
Um, and everything you get from the £4 tier, you get in the £8 tier plus a few little extras. So if you fancy that, if you want episodes, you know, a day before anybody else, if you want once a month, two episodes in one week, like what? Oh my God. Um, oh my God. Then come join the Horror House Patreon. Uh, we won't do anything to your ear holes either. Don't oh worry, God. honestly. <laughs> I was hoping that wasn't going to come up again. It's like tradition at this point, isn't it? <laughs> great, great tradition. <laughs> only only good things uh, happen on the Horror House Patreon, honestly. Um, so yes, come and join our our Patreon. We would love to have you. Um, and we also have something else other than a Patreon, uh, I believe. Isn't that right, Amy? That is very right. Thank you so much for that delightful lead into it. We do indeed. We have our Buy Me A Coffee link, which is a lovely way to support us without, you know, signing up to anything too crazy. Not that Patreon's particularly crazy, but, you know, you know to sign up to anything regular. A really nice way to just buy us a coffee and give us a little bit of support because we most definitely need it. It's, it's hard times, not just for the economy, but for us in general. So please do feel free to reach out and support us. And if you can't do that, if you've got no money like the rest of us, um, then feel free to leave us a nice review, give us a nice comment, reach out to us on whatever platform you prefer and say hello because we're nice people and we'll say hello back. Yes. Well, you're nice, Dom. I'm, I'm, I'm questionable. Absolutely. But, you know. Uh, mm. I was really expecting you no to comment. be a little bit nicer, a little bit quicker there, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Not a problem. It's, it's like you've forgotten that I'm holding your baby right you're... now, but that's fine. <laughs> I know. I should, I, should, I should be more wise considering that you're leading this episode, shouldn't I? Um, but no, you're very nice. Uh, so please do <laughs> come, come say hi. We... We'll say hi back and we will be pleasant and we will have a laugh. Just if you want to shoot the shit with us over random shit, then please <laughs> come, please do. come do that. You have such a way with words. <laughs> I know I'm a modern day Shakespeare, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> I'm going to get into it because I am very, very excited about this case. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, the case of Lizzie Borden and the axe murders of her parents. Um, although Lizzie is generally acknowledged as one of the most famous female killers, um, it's still actually an unsolved mystery. Um, well, not a mystery, but is unsolved because um, no one actually knows if she did it. Um, but it was so well known at the time mm-hmm. that it gave birth to the schoolyard rhyme. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her father 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her mother 41 which I think is pretty cool. That, that's very cool. I love I'm waiting how, for like... the day they make up rhymes about <laughs> me, but, you know, obviously I'm not going to kill anyone for it. <laughs> I mean, I think you might have to. If you want a poem done, you're going to have to get your hatchet out, I think, and you're going to have to go and knock some people off. I love how... Why did the mum have to get one extra whack? What, 40 is not enough? So, well, I tell so you what, Dom, how about, how about we dive into it and you find out? Yes. Oh, oh. Before we do that, can I just okay. okay? Can I just jump in for like two minutes? Of course you because, can. Because why? Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> um, why did I sound like Elvis, like a poor man's Elvis? <laughs> thank you very much. So, Horror House 
has a big occasion coming up. Next Saturday, Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre turns one years old. It is celebrating its one-year podversary. And <laughs> it looks like Amy's getting attacked by her dog as we speak. So yes, Horror House is celebrating its one-year anniversary, which is kind of insane. The fact that this little show that I started because I wanted something on my CV because I couldn't get any work experience during my degree has sort of turned into this thing that people seem to like and people seem to enjoy. Um, And I just wanted to say to everyone that has left a review, everyone that's left a rating, everyone that has come on the show and guests, you know, been a guest on the show and invited me to be a guest on their show. uh, Just thank you for your support. I, I don't know how many downloads or listens the show has got, but for every download that someone has done, for every listen that someone has, you know, every time someone's listened, thank you. Um, it's been a pleasure treating you to some true crime along with some dry British humor and, you know, thrown in. But yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the good things that you've said about the show and here's to another year of more morbid and macabre stuff so yeah i just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the show and has supported the show and has grown the show to where it is over the past 12 months that was lovely thank you and thank you for inviting me to be a part of it because See, i can be quite nice for me and i'm <laughs> You can be very nice sometimes, although that has now added a hell of a lot of pressure on me. Um, but thank you. <laughs> no, no, you're you're welcome. Like, thank you for wanting to come on as as host. Like, genuinely, I couldn't think of anyone else that I that I would want on the show to to do this with me. So, thank you. My pleasure. And we're getting a bit gushy. So, should we talk about some murders? Yeah, let's talk about some people getting chopped up, chopped up with an axe. Chopped up like a chopped salad. Let's do it. So, (laughs) don't laugh at chopped salad. It wasn't funny. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. Right. Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden was born in July 1860 to parents Andrew Borden and Sarah Morse in Fall River, Massachusetts. Andrew Borden had made a fortune in the textile industry, but was known for his frugality. Bit of a cheapskate, old Andrew. Um, Despite having plenty of money, the family lived in an extremely modest house with no indoor plumbing, despite the fact that this was actually, at this point, quite common um, among the wealthy at the time. Lizzie and her sister Emma had a relatively religious upbringing and were regulars at their local church. Um, They both took part in religious events and Lizzie even helped teach Sunday school. Um, This is probably like the weirdest way of starting a true crime case, talking about how lovely someone is, but it's, it's all true. Um, she was also the secretary for the Christian Endeavour Society um, and was a member of the Ladies Fruit and Flower Mission, which I don't fully understand what that does, but it sounds good. What is that? It They're on a mission like for fruit and flowers. <laughs> Next Mission Impossible film is going to be Tom Cruise being like, I need fruits and flowers. No, <laughs> um, it sounds like... Call Lizzie. <laughs> get, get the Ouija board out. Talk to Lizzie. She knows where to get the flowers and the um, and, and the other other thing that I've forgotten. Flowers and what was it? Fruit. Flowers and fruit. That's it. 
Um, flowers and fruit, not gonna obviously lie. really important stuff. Oh, absolutely. Not going to lie, Mission for Fruit and Flowers, or Flowers and Fruit, sounds like the most unsuspecting cult in the world. If someone was like, I'm part of Mission for Flowers and Fruits, you would be like, oh, no, that sounds nice. And little do you know, it's some like crazy ass cult. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, you definitely think that was made up. Like, why do you need to mission for fruit and flat? Just pop mm-hmm. to the market or something. You know, you don't need to... Nothing sneaky about that. You don't need to go on a mission for it. Lizzie, just pop to Tesco's, love. You're making this so much harder than it needs to be. She really is. But generally, she sounds like a pretty stand-up gal, you know. She's Christian. She's, you know, aside from doing her missions for fruit and flowers, she's she's doing a lot of work for the church. She's teaching the little kitty winkles at, at Sunday school. She's quite a quite a nice lady so far, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Right. Painted a good picture so far. Yeah. Well, three years (laughs) after her mother died, um, Lizzie's father remarried Abby. Oh, this is the bit where I can't pronounce something. And then you're going to take the piss out of me because I always take the piss out of you. So Lizzie's father remarried Abby Defee Gray? Defee? 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 I think it's Defee. Gray. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. It's the only time it's going to happen. Everything else I can pronounce. So That's just the way you were like, defu. <laughs> well, whatever it is. I think it's defay. It's D-U-R-F-E-E. So I think it's defay. But defee, defu, yeah. defar. I would go with defay. Defar in a way, the hardest name to pronounce. Defar. <laughs> anyway, Lizzie's father remarried Abby Defee Gray. A person whom Lizzie did not approve. She was convinced that Abby was only after their father for his money and insisted on calling her Mrs. Borden, which I don't know if that's weird for a stepmother. I mean, what do people, I don't have a stepmother, but what do people call their stepmothers generally, if not, I suppose they call them their first name. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, I mean, they didn't really get on. Um, The sisters, sisters, the sisters rarely ate meals with their parents. And it was widely known that their relationship was a little bit less than cordial. Um, In later life, Lizzie would even opt to stay at a local guest house rather than spend time in her father's house so that she could avoid Mrs. Defee Defoe Defar. (laughs) She also resented her father. I'll get it. Whatever it is, I'll get it. It's fine. It's one of those pronunciations. Luckily, I'm I glad, get to call I'm her Abby, Abby Borden now, from now on. <laughs> I'm so glad that it's not just going to be me that's, that can't pronounce things all the time now. At least someone else is going to be like, yeah, I'm tripping up over this. Do you know I'm what? As I, like, was oh, writing, <laughs> as I was writing down the outline for the episode, as soon as I saw that name, I was like, shit, this means he's going to get to take the piss out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, never mind. Uh... (laughs) Never mind. So, as I say, it wasn't the best relationship between the parents. Um, She also resented her father, who was obviously her real father, um, for not letting her have any money to go and socialise with the other rich families in town. Um, Despite having loads of it, the guy was making a lot of money. He was very well known in the textile industry and a lot of businesses. He also had a lot of properties other than the house that they lived in, which was obviously very modest, but he had other properties that he rented out. So he wasn't exactly poor, but he didn't want to give Lizzie any of that money to go and, you know, splurge, paint in the town red. And as a result of that, 
Lizzie didn't have very many friends. She was a bit of a loner. Um, the poor folk in the town shunned her for being rich. And the rich people didn't like her because she didn't have any money to spend. So they saw her as poor. So she was kind of stuck in the middle um, and just, yeah, didn't really have any friends, which is a bit sad. Um, and all because her dad couldn't stump up the cash. Bit of an arsehole, really. Outrageous. Maybe that's a bit harsh. I mean, he's obviously, like you say, he's got the money. He's If, he, if he's got like loads of other properties and... He's a bit of a tycoon in the textile industry. Then, like, surely he'd be like, "Here's ten dollars, you know, go and have a good time." I mean, what ten dollars in like eighteen hundreds is a lot of money, I guess, isn't it? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, no, it's. I mean, sorry, it's <laughs> exactly. nothing to him. It, it, he could give that to her and yeah, let her yeah, go and yeah. you know buy a new dress and get her mates a few drinks. It's not a big deal. I mean, that makes it sound like she's going out clubbing or something. No. But you know, whatever they did in eighteen ninety two. I'm sure he could have given her the money to do it. She's off to club chemistry. <laughs> be pounding drinks and shots. I mean, she might have been. Who knows? You know, she just wanted to go out and have a good time. And old, old Andy, Andy Borden just wouldn't give her the money. So alongside Abby oh, and... Andy. <laughs> alongside Abby and Andrew, um, Lizzie and Emma in the Borden house, there also lived Bridget. Um, Maggie Sullivan, um, the housemaid who would later become key in the trial against Lizzie. I say Maggie in quotes because that was actually a name that Abby gave to her. It wasn't her name at all. She just came into the house and when they first hired her, she said, I don't like the name Bridget, so I'm going to call you Maggie. Stand up women are abs, just giving people new names. You know, it's totally fine, whatever. Yeah. What was her, what was her proper name again? So her proper name was Bridget Sullivan, but they didn't Bridget. like okay. they didn't like that. I think the reason was she was Irish and, and they didn't want people to know that she was Irish. So they called her Maggie or they gave her the name Maggie so that they could use that instead. But, you know, that's what Abby Borden wanted was to call her Maggie. And, you know, what Abby Borden wants, Abby Borden gets, apparently. Abby sounds like a bitch. <laughs> Well, I'm really glad you don't like her, Don, because just... without any spoilers, she don't end up in a good place. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> let's, let's not get too attached to Abby because, you know, it doesn't go well, this story for her. So, yeah, Maggie was, in theory, going to be a very key part of the trial against Lizzie, although not exactly a reliable witness because many people thought that Maggie or Bridget and Lizzie were in a romantic relationship. Um, Lizzie was often described as a plain woman with a deep voice and a lack of desire to be feminine. Um, she was widely believed in the local community to be a lesbian, as at the ripe old age of 27, oh my goodness, 27 whole years, um, she had never been seen with a man and had not taken a husband. So clearly at 27, she's just on the shelf and isn't interested in men because that's the only possible conclusion for someone that's Absolutely. unmarried at 27. I mean, Bless well, her. I mean, what? The- Life expectancy was what probably like thirty. <laughs> so she's like, "Damn, oh, she's." she's <laughs> I mean, I think it was a bit pasture. better than that. <laughs> I think it was a little bit better than that. She was a bit of a loner. She didn't really have many friends. She definitely didn't fancy taking a man. And this was at a time where, essentially, women didn't really have very many rights. She couldn't own property. She couldn't be in control of her own money. So if she didn't marry anyone, then it was really her dad that had not necessarily control of her, but certainly control of her sort of assets and and what she could and couldn't do. So the fact that he wasn't giving her any money is suddenly a bit more important because she needed to rely on him to be able to, you know, go and do her thing and and do anything, really. You know, go out on those missions for fruit and flowers. Go and do her boo thing. (laughs) Exactly. 
<laughs> she, can, she couldn't even get herself a nice new dress. She couldn't even get tarted up to go out on the town. How is she supposed to get a man if she can't even, you know, buy herself That's a nice it. outfit and a bit of rouge? Like, let's be honest. Like, how how was she going to get herself a little, you know, a little bit of a sugar daddy, a little bit of a, an 1800s fuck buddy if she can't go and dole herself up? Father of the goddamn year. Jeez. Again, I'm really glad that, you know, you're not that keen on, on Andrew because, as I say, he is, he's not going to have a good time. So on the morning of 4th of August 1892, um, the Borden family, Andrew, Abby, Lizzie, Emma the sister, her uncle John Morse, who was our actual uncle, married to... Sorry, not married. Um, what are you barking at? Apologies. Um, the brother of her real mother, Sarah Morse, um, who was staying at the time, and... Bridget, Maggie, you know, whatever name she was choosing that day, all sat down to have breakfast together. Um, at that point, Mr. Andrew Borden was still on one of his uh, stingy sprees. So they'd been eating the same mutton stew for four days straight, which sounds delightful. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how stingy he was. He made the maid, he made the maid, he asked the maid, that's better, to um, make a gigantic stew to last four days so that they could use every single bit of it because he didn't want to buy new food. That's how, you know, tight this guy is. For fuck's sake. <laughs> What's wrong with this man? I he bet he, like, sits money. on the fucking veranda at night just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at this whole parenting stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Don't give him nothing. In the whole town. Like, you know... I, I'm going to get a big mug that says best dad ever on it while I'm giving my fucking family the same mutton stew for the fourth day in a row. <laughs> what the fuck yeah, is that? What a lovely guy. <laughs> what a nice guy, you know. And, you know, I'm sure she could have brought home some fruit from the mission just to give him something a little bit different for breakfast. And that might have even been free. But no, no, mutton stew for the fourth day in a row. That's what you no, get, Liz. Mutton stew. But... For breakfast as well, did you say? Mutton yeah, stew for breakfast. Yeah, they were breakfast. First meal of the day. That That's abhorrent. <laughs> that's just abhorrent. <laughs> I love how that's the bit that annoys you. Like, you know, what we're about to go into is fine, but the mutton stew for breakfast, absolutely not. No way. Mutton stew is, mutton stew is a dinner meal. You do not start your day with mutton stew. <laughs> mutton stew is to you what loafers are to me for D.B. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> now you know the level of anger we're at on this sort of thing that's genuinely annoyed me a little bit i well, would be if if i sat down if i sat down at the table for breakfast and my dad fucking slid over a bowl of mutton stew i'd just be like what the fuck is that <laughs> what, what is that i think you'd be where's more my annoyed. bacon sandwich You'd be definitely more annoyed because it's also what you had for dinner last night. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the same bowl and everything. <laughs> this is the same stew. You've literally just popped it back in the... No, not, I was going to say popped it back in the microwave, but not in 1892 you didn't. It's something that the dad definitely would do, though. He would definitely be like, ah, oh, that's fine, I'll just put that back in the microwave. Yeah, you, you don't eat <laughs> yeah. it today, you get it again tomorrow. And guess what you've got for the next five days? <laughs> We've really gone on one about oh, this, the dad this is stew. Pissing me off. 
Like we're, we're really hit up on this really stew. It, all they're doing is having breakfast and we're like, no, they're having stew and that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, it's just not right. It's just not correct. <laughs> well, Uncle Uncle John Morse obviously was pissed off as well because he left at around 8.48 to buy oxen um, and to visit his niece. And Andrew left shortly after at 9am to go for his morning walk. Um, somewhere between 9am and 10am, Abby Borden was upstairs in the guest room making the bed when she was struck with a hatchet on the right side of her head. This caused her to spin around all the way as she was facing her killer at the time. Um, and once she'd done that, she was struck a further 17 times in the back of her head until her skull was crushed and she died oh in a pool God. of her own blood. So, in fact, not 41 Wait, so wax. It was 18. <laughs> where did the 41 come from? I think it just went with the rhyme. You know what kids are like. I suppose, yeah. So, did you say that she got hit on the side of the head once? Yeah, so... Hard. so that she did a 360. <laughs> yeah, so she got hit on the side of the head and they they knew that she was facing her killer because the angle of the hatchet, like the the shorter, you know what a hatchet looks like, it's like bigger at one end than it is at the other. And the yeah, shorter yeah. end was closer to her eye, suggesting that the bigger end went in Dang. towards the back of her head. So she would have been facing her killer, but it hit her so hard that she spun round, like in a cartoon, Although this is the worst cartoon. That's what ever. I'm thinking of. And then, yeah, she got like, 17 more blows in really, the back of the head. But it, like, I lot. agree that it sounds like a cartoon. It sounds really bad, but I'm picturing like a Looney Tunes esque spin around, sound effects and all. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> Badoink. <laughs> Badoink. I mean, I don't think it did you make know, that in, like, noise. In the old, the old Batman TV show, like when Batman would punch somebody, like the Adam West 1960s one, when Batman would punch somebody. Yeah. Like, you would just get like, blam, come up on the screen. Kapow! That's what I'm picturing here for some reason. It's <laughs> with the axe and then like, kapow, it just comes up. <laughs> Do you know what I really like? I mean, I don't know how gory we have to go when we're talking about these sorts of things. And somehow we always end up laughing. <laughs> I know, it's really bad, isn't we, it? We just turn it into <laughs> like, a massive joke. This woman legit got battered 18 times the knacks and we're just like, <laughs> Batman sound effects, kapow, Looney Tunes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, me, let me just paint a little picture. Not that I'm saying we shouldn't laugh about it because, you know, it's a long time ago and we can. But let me just paint a little picture to give you some perspective on how many or on what 18 strikes to the skull does to a skull with a hatchet. Um, they brought in both Abby and Andrew's skulls to the trial. I'm not jumping ahead here. We will talk about the trial, but just to give you some perspective. As evidence, and Abby's skull was in 19 pieces. 19? 19, because that's what 18 strikes to the head with a hatchet does. So it's not like, you know, it's not quite a kapow scenario, really. It's a bit more of a, oh my God, dear sweet Jesus scenario. Yeah, it's a bit more of a... Um, yeah, that's uh, that's her skull gone bye bye <laughs> scenario. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that. So yeah, Abby is um, bless her. She is she is gone. She is definitely definitely dead after eighteen strikes in the head with a hatchet. But at around ten thirty, Andrew returned home from his morning walk and found that his key wouldn't work in the lock and couldn't get entry to his own home. Um, Bridget went to let him in, and at this point would oh, later testify that she heard 
Lizzie laughing at the top of the stairs. Please do bear in mind that at this point, Abby's lifeless, mutilated body would be clearly visible from anywhere upstairs. Um, So if Abby's at the top of the stairs laughing her head off, as Bridget testified, then that's not looking great. It's not an ideal time to have a bit of a chuckle. No, (laughs) it's not a good look, is it, really? (laughs) It it doesn't look great. It's not exactly the reaction you want to a dead, mutilated body. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, maybe it's maybe not. Bridget's lying. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know if Bridget, Maggie, whatever your real That's name true. is, is telling the truth. So who knows? But Bridget then said that she helped Andrew change into his slippers. Um, please do make a note of that because we will be coming back to it later when we talk about the suspects. Um, before he then went to lay down on the sofa for a bit for a little bit of a nap. Um, which, if you ask me, is pretty fucking lazy because it's 1030 He's had got up, had breakfast, gone for a short walk, and now he's having a nap. Who has a nap at ten thirty in the morning? Yeah, that, that, and the man doesn't deserve a nap. He gave his fucking, <laughs> he gave his kids fucking mutton stew for breakfast, and then goes on a little jolly walk to buy whatever it is he wanted to buy and and do his thing. And then he comes home and he's like, you know what? I, I've I've been such a good dad. I need a nap. No, mate. No. <laughs> I've been so right, busy no. getting my dad of the year award. <laughs> That it's time for a quick snooze. <laughs> I got a ribbon and everything. Did a whole ceremony for me. <laughs> At this point, um, Lizzie, <laughs> Lizzie would come downstairs and told Bridget about a department store sale um, that she was keen to go to. Uh, don't know what she was going to pay with because Andrew weren't giving her any money, but you know she wanted to go to this sale. <laughs> and she said that Bridget was more than welcome to go along with her if she wanted to. Um, Bridget said she wasn't feeling very well and was going to um, go and have a nap because she'd been cleaning windows all morning. So she was going to go and have a nap. Don't understand why everyone is napping at 1030 in the morning, but we're not going to we're not going to judge because it's not the most questionable bit of all of this. (laughs) We'll just go for the fact that that was maybe just a done thing in 1892. You had a mid morning nap how they have siestas in Spain. Everyone in the 1800s of you just as soon as half 10 hit, they were like, right. Nap time, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. You have your big mutton stew breakfast. You go on your nice walk or maybe to a department That's store it. sale. That's and it. then you have a little nap. Why not? <laughs> Live in the dream. <laughs> Live in the dream. I mean, if I could nap at half ten, I would. To be oh, we all would. We all would if we could. <laughs> if you can get away with it. He's... Bear in mind, he is making like his millions in the textile industry, which basically is running itself. So if the man wants to have a nap at half ten, then good for him, I guess. So um, Bridget went uh, off for a nap. She was so tired from cleaning the windows. Off she went. She got her head down, but she didn't get to sleep for very long because she would be very crudely awoken at around ten past eleven when she heard Lizzie cry, Maggie, come quick. Father is dead. Somebody came in and killed him. How very specific. Liz, (laughs) not just screaming like (laughs) I mean if I've just discovered my dead father on the sofa I'm pretty sure I'd be shouting screaming maybe crying but no no very specifically someone has come in and killed him you might as well add on the end definitely not me (laughs) do you reckon she said it in that exact way as well it's like uh (laughs) someone came in and killed him gasp shock horror Oh no! <laughs> Whatever oh, shall the I do? Humanity. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she said it in. 
in the exact way that I'm saying it now. I could just picture it. Just her being like, oh no, father is dead. What a shock. Someone must have done this. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's it's would have been, I mean, he's been, he's been axe murdered. So you're pretty safe to assume that someone else has done it. I just don't think you shout that coherently when you've only just discovered your father's dead body. Shit, that was a lot. That's a lot more composed than one would expect. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to form words. I'd just be like, oh, oh, dead. And then, you know, you'd have to do something with that. But, you know, that's what she shouted, (laughs) which obviously awoke poor Bridget. Um, Bridget would arrive downstairs to find Andrew Borden on the sofa, having suffered 11 blows with a hatchet-like weapon to the face. To the face. Not the back of the head like Abby, to the actual face. The force was so hard that his left eye was completely split open, the eye socket and the eyeball. His eyeball was hanging out and it led the investigators to believe that he would have been asleep at the time of the attack because obviously... If you see an axe coming towards your face, you're probably going to move at least a little bit. But he didn't. He took it straight yeah. in the eye. <laughs> you would. I mean, it's not an ideal thing to happen when you're asleep, is it? I, I, I wouldn't really <laughs> want to go to sleep and then get fucking 17 um, hatchet shots to the face. It's not I mean, great. preferably, it's if not I'm great. asleep, I don't want any hatchets to the face. Like, zero is what I'm aiming for. <laughs> So essentially, we're completely debunking this schoolyard rhyme because her father did not get 40 wax. He only got 11. Yeah. And her mother, who wasn't actually her mother, she was her stepmother, only got 18. So it definitely wasn't as bad as these kids were making up. They were being a bit overdramatic on the old schoolyard rhymes. But, you know, we'll let them off. They're just kids. Wait, did I did I say 17 when I was talking about the dad? I might have said 17. I don't know where that number came from. He didn't get 17. He got 11. Eleven's still a lot. I mean, it's definitely still quite a lot of blows. I mean, it's still not ideal, is it? Let's be honest. It also definitely doesn't suggest someone that's just come in off the street by chance. Like maybe to rob the place, for example, and has gone, oh, crap, there's someone here. I'll just hit him in the face with an axe. Because that's like that's a one hit job. Like just disable him with one hit to the face (laughs) and then get on about your robbing business. I think to hit someone 11 times yeah. in the face with an axe is... You've got a bit of a grudge. There's a little bit of beef. There's something there. There's like an underlying reason slash motive that you would hit someone 11 times. Like, it's not like she was like, after the first three, she was like, oh, no, that's enough. She was like... <laughs> that, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She got to one number nine and then she was like, I may as well just do two more. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like when someone shoots someone and you shoot them the first time in the head. So you, you're safe to assume that they're dead. Like very rarely do people, you know, come back from a gunshot yeah. to the head. But then they empty the barrel anyway. You know, it's not, you know, you're not double tapping at that point. This isn't yeah. a zombie apocalypse. This is actual anger and you want to, you know, unload on their face i just said that out loud that was such a stupid thing to say (laughs) this is the third episode in a row now every episode (laughs) every episode (laughs) i'm sorry 
I'm really I think sorry. this is just going to be a thing at this point where one of us, one of us is just going to come out with something sexual at some point. To be fair, it's taken 46 minutes for you to actually <laughs> come up with. Come I mean, up that's with good. That's good for so. me. It's probably because I've been focusing as opposed to just picking <laughs> up on things that you say that I can make sexual. But, you know, as I say, Andrew took a lot of blows. Dr. Bowen, <laughs> the family physician, suggested that Andrew's still bleeding wounds um, was a suggestion of a very recent attack and estimated his time of death at around 11 a.m. So 10 minutes before Lizzie found him or discovered him or whatever we want to call it at this stage. I think that's probably a good time for a break, don't you, Dom? I do, in fact, yes. Good. Let's take a quick break and we'll see you back here in just a minute. Hello, everyone. My name is Brad. And I'm Denise. We are the host of World's True Crime Podcast. Every Monday, we release an episode researched by me about the most heinous criminals throughout history from across the globe. And then every Thursday, we will release an episode from me about disappearances, UFOs, the unexplained, and strange history. To lighten up the episode, we take part in movie trivia at the time of the incidents. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We also can be found at worldstruecrime.com. So just remember, everybody, the world's not always as it seems. No, it's not. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, Steven. Hey, Leo. I love horror movies. So do I. I don't love that I have nobody to talk about them with. It sucks. You see something great, you tell your friends to go see it, and they don't have the time because they have kids and a job. (sighs) They have a life boring. I know. Imagine if there was a podcast where you could make your buddy watch a horror movie and under threat of death they had to and then you got to talk about it. Crack jokes, things like that. That sounds wonderful. What if we did it? We could do it. Under threat of death. Yes. So much death. So much threat. I love it. We could call it Spoils of Horror. Great name. And guess what? What? We've been doing it for three months. What? It's crazy. We're on all major podcasting platforms. You can search Spoils of Horror on all social medias. Come check us out. Hang out with us. Have a good time. Join us. If you dare. Dun, dun, dun. Okie dokie. So we've got two dead parents. One's upstairs with the back of her head smashed in. One's on the sofa downstairs with his face smashed in and his eyeball hanging out. Lizzie is supposedly at the top of the stairs looking over her stepmother's dead body, having a good giggle, if you if Bridget Sullivan is to be believed. What are we thinking so far, Dom? Is is uh, is Lizzie a stand up woman helping Christians and teaching Sunday school, or is she an axe wielding murderer? Ooh. That's a tough one. Like, I don't know if it's she's got sort of two two sides. She's got that side you know, that helps with Sunday school and, you know, does the the mission, you know, for the fruit and the flowers and stuff. And then she's got this yeah. other side that, like, just needed something to, to to sort of trigger it. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, because it's, it's still sort of, spoiler alert, I suppose, it's still unsolved, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is still unsolved. So, yeah, it's... I haven't really... So far, I haven't really heard anything that would make me think like Lizzie Borden is like a a stone cold you know murderer I'm not sure I'm still I'm still working out miss old Lizzie Borden that's fair I think that's fair but let's let's dive in to the suspects 
um, and see if we can help you make up your mind about whether old old Liz yes. could do that to mom pa. Obviously, as is so often the case with um, people who discover murders, they become the prime suspect. And this was indeed the case with Lizzie. Um, police noticed that at the time when they were called to the scene, Lizzie, during the initial interview process, didn't seem particularly upset or distraught. She was quite calm when she was answering questions. She was also described by one policeman as blasé. Um, she just didn't, wasn't too fussed. She was pale and and um, perhaps a little bit in shock, but she wasn't, you know, crying. She wasn't hysterical as perhaps a male police officer might expect her to be when confronted with the site that she was confronted with. Mm. Um, she also gave conflicting reports on what happened, um, telling one officer that she had heard a moan or a scream before entering the house, um, which then obviously prompted her to go in and see what was wrong a bit quicker. But then she told another one that she hadn't heard anything before entering the house and that she was completely taken aback by the scene that she'd seen because she had no idea that anything was wrong before going in. I think generally at any point, giving a conflicting report to that extent is probably going to make you look a little bit guilty. Um, and that is exactly what the police thought as well Yeah. Um, when they first interviewed her. However, they went about their business um, and you know carried on interviewing and, and looking at the crime scene. Um, Lizzie was also reported to have been seen around town a few days before the incident, trying to purchase prussic acid, which is better known to us as cyanide. She went to several apothecaries, pharmacies, stores, trying to get some cyanide and no one would sell it to her because it was generally considered to be very dangerous as it is now. Um, and when asked what she was using it for, she said that she was using it to kill moths in her furs, in her fur coats. But obviously no one would sell it. It was a very strange way of killing moths in your furs. So perhaps that was maybe a foiled attempt yeah. at trying to kill them. So instead she just picked up the axe and, you know, bashed their heads in instead. That <laughs> seems like the natural logical step to me. Right. I was about to say, like, she she was, like, gone from, like, a really discreet way of, of, of doing away with the parents, being like, oh, you know, cyanide is, you know, it's not massively obvious. I, c I, can, I can work with that. And she's gone from like that quite discreet way to just being like, fine, where's my axe? <laughs> where's my axe? I'm just going to bludgeon them. I'm Fetch my hatchet. Like... <laughs> it definitely seems extreme. <laughs> That's such a leap. though. <laughs> from cyanide to literally caving in two people's skull. It's just like, okay. Exactly. Okay. I mean, it's, it's definitely a jump, but. At least she could get hold of a hatchet. She definitely couldn't get hold of cyanide because no one was going to sell it to her. And whether that, that was because, true. you know, she looked dodgy true. or because it was generally just a bit of an extreme way of killing moths, I don't know. But she couldn't get hold of what she needed. <laughs> so, you know, a bit strange. Hatchet is the next best alternative, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> if in doubt, grab your hatchet. That's what I always say. Um, we need that on a T-shirt. <laughs> that's, that's this episode's merch. Grab your hatchet. <laughs> 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 oh dear um, another very suspicious point that Lizzie made when being interviewed by police she had told them previously or, or later on in the um, investigation that she had been aware of the fact that Abby her stepmother had received a note from a friend that the friend was very sick and that's where she had gone 
um, and was out of the house at the time of the murders, or that's what Lizzie supposedly thought. But when she was initially asked about Abby's whereabouts, because bear in mind at this point, the police have come in, dad's dead on the sofa, let's focus on this pretty fucked up situation before we start questioning where anyone else is. Her response wasn't, oh, I know where she is, she's gone to visit her sick mate. It was, I don't know, but she is killed too, for I thought I heard her come in. So if you're thinking that your stepmum's out with a mate, but instead the first thing you say to police is, nah, she's probably dead as well, they're probably going to think you're a bit shifty. She's she's not covering herself in in a lot of glory on this, is she? <laughs> like, there's a conflict in reports and it's never good when police question you and you're, like, telling a million different versions of the events. That's always a bit suspicious. And then there's the fact that she hasn't really shown, like, she's been pretty stoic and hasn't seemed rattled by it and has been pretty sort of blasé about it. Mm-hmm. And that could be shock. I don't know. Um, but that that doesn't come off as a great look. So, yeah, uh, Lizzie, Lizzie's looking kind of sus at the she, moment. She definitely is. But then her being quite, not necessarily calm, but definitely blasé, wasn't necessarily out of character. That was kind of who she was. She was a bit sort of okay. standoffish, a bit kind of, you know, um, blunt with other people. So, you know, it's, it's not unexpected of her. And you saying that she's not covering herself yeah. in glory, there was something else that she wasn't covered in as well, and that was blood. So bear in mind that she had found or called out to um, Bridget at 10 past 11, and the family physician had pronounced, well, had estimated the time of death for Andrew Borden at 11, 10 minutes really isn't very long to go get changed and come back down to discover the body. Um, bearing in mind that, you know, 1892, you're wearing corsets, yeah. you're wearing, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's not very long at all to be getting changed. And you would definitely have had to have gotten changed because 11 blows to the face yeah. enough to shatter an eye socket is going to cover you in blood. So she wasn't covered yeah. in blood. There was no sort of, you know, big blood stain on her dress that she was wearing or anything. Obviously, the police probably would have noticed that if that had been the case. But she was relatively, you know, clean and, you know, wasn't wasn't covered in, in brain matter. However, that wasn't something that the police double-checked. They didn't take her clothes into, you know, not into custody. That's the wrong thing. Uh, into evidence. They didn't take them. They <laughs> let her go. <laughs> yeah, then arrested her dress. They didn't take them into evidence. It they was the, dre- it was the dress all along. <laughs> the dress did it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were. The they dress were a was bit, like, um... it was me. It was me the whole time. <laughs> they were a bit negligent because they didn't take <laughs> either Lizzie or Bridget's clothes um, into evidence to check for bloodstains. So, granted, there were there were yeses and nos as to whether or not Lizzie did it. But there were other suspects. Yeah. Um, the first of which was Emma, Lizzie's sister. She had just as much reason to not like her father as Lizzie did. She didn't get any money off of him either. She didn't share his wealth. Um, she wasn't allowed out. She lived a very, um, you know, in inward life because she didn't have the money to go out. 
And it was reported that the arg- the argue the family sorry would argue consistently about money, and that wasn't just Lizzie; that was also Emma. She was supposedly out shopping that day as well, uh, but there's nothing to say that she couldn't have come in and, and killed Andrew and Abby and then scarped again, only to have Lizzie genuinely find Andrew's body um, at ten past eleven. That seems certainly plausible for her to have come in, killed him, gone away. And then Lizzie's come back and discovered the body. That explains why she wasn't covered in blood. So, you know, there's there's that option as well. As I say, both of them were very jealous that their father had spent money on his wife or Abby rather than them. And that it certainly wasn't the most functional family. So the fact that Emma wasn't the one that found the body maybe meant that she wasn't as much of a suspect, which might be considered a little bit unfair, given that, in theory, both her and Lizzie had equal motive. We don't know much about Emma. Um, she was also very quiet, but um, a lot less outspoken than Lizzie. Um, she was a lot shyer. She she didn't really go out. She didn't really want to go out, as opposed to Lizzie, who did. So, you know, I don't know. She's not painting the picture of a murderer either, but had equal motives. So we can't rule her out as a suspect. Absolutely. Another suspect was Andrew Morse, who was the uncle. Um, sorry, not Andrew Morse, John Morse. Um, who was the uncle that had gone out to buy oxen that morning. Um, He had stayed the night before. He was Andrew's ex-wife's brother, um, so ex-brother-in-law, I guess, um, and became a suspect after it was discovered that he was the only person to know about Andrew's will. So Andrew had made a will um, in which the majority of his money was going to his wife, Abby, but some of it was also going to his two daughters, no, neither Abby nor the daughters knew about that will. Um, John was the only person that knew about it. And if no one else knew about the will, which, as I say, bequeathed all of um, Andrew's assets to his daughters and his wife, then John could destroy it and take control of the family finances himself. So he could be in charge of the business as the next sort of male heir, if you like. So he certainly had motive as well. You know, there was a lot of mm-hmm. money in his textile businesses and property and whatnot for him to have financial motive to kill Andrew Borden. And maybe Abby just got in the way. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Abby obviously had to die because she would have got 50% of the estate anyway. So, you know, there's plenty of motive on his part. But at the risk of sounding like a bit of a cliche, maybe the maid did it. Maybe it was Bridget Maggie Sullivan herself. (laughs) Um, And there are two different theories surrounding Bridget. Um, One was that she was angry with the treatment that the Bordens had afforded her. Um, She was annoyed that morning about having to clean all of the windows in the house. She was their only maid, so that was a big task for one person. And also, you know, she'd been given a name that wasn't hers just because they didn't like her name. So, you know, maybe she was a bit upset about that. Um, As I say, she worked in the house alone, um, and Abby Borden wasn't exactly the nicest of people to her. Um, So maybe that was enough for her to, you know, flip and and kill Abby. But what reason would she have had to kill Andrew? Well, the answer to that might have le- might lie in some of the rumours that surrounded him, in that there were not so much accusations, but definitely rumours that Andrew had sexually assaulted Bridget multiple times. So that's one theory surrounding Bridget, that she just got annoyed at the treatment she was receiving, annoyed at the abuse that she was suffering at the hands of the Bordens, and flipped her lid, grabbed that hatchet and went to town on their heads. The other theory and took away was Andrew's that she was working in partnership with Lizzie, well. um, with whom 
she was potentially having an affair. That is all has always been rumours. It's never been proven that they were having a, a lesbian relationship, but it would make a lot of sense. Um, has she did say that um, you know she'd seen Lizzie at the top of the stairs laughing, which put Lizzie in quite a bad light. But that was the only piece of evidence that she ever gave that actually condemned Lizzie. Um, it was also reported that a few days okay. after the incident, Bridget was seen helping um, destroy a dress of Lizzie's, burning it. And when asked, she said that the dress had been covered in paint, so they were getting rid of it. So she did say that. And I don't know if you remember, Dom, but earlier on, I said something about Bridget saying that she had helped Andrew into his slippers when he got back from his walk. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. And I said, I we're going to come back to it. Bear it in mind when we're talking about suspects. Well, this is the reason that we're bearing it in mind. The reason we're bearing it in mind is because Andrew Borden was found dead on his couch, head caved in, and although no one's probably looking at his feet at that point, he was still wearing his boots. He was not wearing his slippers. She hadn't helped him change. And was that because she hadn't quite got her story straight and she was, in fact, lying? Crisscross. Right? Ooh. <laughs> very, very suspicious. <laughs> if I'm okay. being honest, I quite like the idea that they were working together. I, I do as well, to be fair. Two sort of criminal masterminds just being like, you know what? Let's uh, let's buddy up. Let's team up. Let's dispatch of old Andrew and Abby. And she she does sound like she would be quite a strong suspect. Maybe, like, particularly if you throw a lesbian mean, affair you know, into the mix. That is true. I didn't even. I didn't even know. Like, obviously, I don't. I didn't really know much about this case, but I didn't know about the lesbian affair angle. So, well, yeah. it is, it's only rumours. It's only rumours. But it's definitely motive if it is true. Uh, quite a few of them, as I mean, it seems that pretty much like all of them really have some sort of motive. You know, whether it's a financial motive, whether it's you know being mistreated and underappreciated. Everyone, you could point to everyone and be like, you know what? They could have. They could have. It's like the biggest sort of who done it, but yeah, it could be could be anybody of those suspect that you that you went through. Exactly that, exactly that. Um, it didn't help the fact that the police were a little bit negligent. They they didn't take any of the clothing in. They didn't immediately look for the murder weapon, you know, on scene at the time where they've got the dead bodies in front of them. They sort of put all of that off, and it wasn't until a week later that Lizzie was arrested. And the public opinion, as soon as she was arrested, was divided right from the start. Um, generally, people thought that she was innocent. Uh, Lizzie was, uh, yeah, sure, she was a bit of a loner. She was a bit standoffish, um, a bit quiet. But she was an upstanding member of the community. She was an active member of the church. She volunteered for women's and animal charities. Um, she fought and protested um, for women's suffrage and against harassment in the workplace and was just generally a bit of a good egg, or at least that's what she portrayed to the public. So a lot of people, you know, it, that went didn't go unnoticed. So a lot of people believed that she was she was innocent. Yeah. However, um, there were also those that b- believed she'd done it. Um, the rumours of the family money squabbles hadn't gone unheard. And a few people also knew about the rumours of, dun dun dun, her father's sexual abuse of both of the sisters. Um, which, again, was never proved. Um, Lizzie herself never spoke about it, but there were rumours of it. And when there are rumours, it's difficult for the general public not to listen to them. But 
all of this led people to question whether or not Lizzie had it in her to kill. Which, I don't know about you, Don, but I personally think that if it's all true, I'd have it in, to, in me to kill because of that. So why not her? There, Like, it sounds really bad, but there's reason for her to kill. I don't think it would have been a random killing if she did it. Like, there's a reason and they're they're valid reasons as well um so yeah i i believe that she could if you know if it got to a point where she was like right you know i've had enough um so yeah Yeah. i I believe that she could because there is reason absolutely but it's, it's a lot of hearsay and that was the problem um when it came to actual evidence there was very very little there was a hatchet um, found in the Borden house along with the broken handle of a second hatchet um, and they were similar to the ones that you know physicians said could have been used to kill both of the Bordens um, but in terms of actual physical evidence that you could see with your own eyes that was about all there was. Due to the police investigators negligence in their initial interviews you know the failure to take the clothing and things like that there was no traces of blood found on any of Lizzie's clothing and and no sort of clothing with excessive amounts of blood the amount you would expect from an axe murder was ever found of Lizzie's or Bridget's so in terms of you know what indefinitely today's world would be conclusive evidence because you know we've got DNA testing and whatnot but even back then actual physical evidence there was very very little so it's difficult it's difficult when there's nothing there's no smoking gun there's a hatchet but everyone had a hatchet everyone was chopping wood and the hatchet was clean yeah yeah and like I suppose that could be a move on Lizzie on Lizzie's part if she did do it, because if everyone if everyone has hatchets, then you know it's not like it's a it's a murder weapon that someone would look at and go, okay, that's unusual because I haven't seen one of those, or they're not very common, or we don't really see a lot of those. Like you say, everyone had hatchets because um, mm-hmm. everyone was chopping wood, um, so that was that could have been a way for her to to do it. And the murder weapon wouldn't stand out because it was everyone had one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was speculation that, again, this is the problem. Speculation is a massive word when it comes to this case, because there's no there's so little evidence that all of the the things that people were theorizing about were speculation. Um, but one of the ideas was that the second handle of the broken hatchet was the, the one of the murder weapon and that it had broken when she was caving in two skulls with it. And then obviously you get rid of the the bloodiest part of the weapon and, and wash the rest. But, you know, as I say, they were both clean. There was no sort of blood evidence found on either of those hatchets. So it was very difficult to have any sort of, you know, tangible evidence against anyone, yeah. not just Lizzie. But nonetheless, it was Lizzie yeah. that was on trial. Um, and when asked to speak in her defence, defense, sorry, Lizzie simply replied, I'm innocent. I will leave it to my counsel to speak for me. So as a result of the lack of evidence and the generally popular opinion that, you know, Lizzie was a good egg, she was, you know, doing a lot for the community, a jury found her not guilty of the murder of her father and stepmother on June 20th, 1893, after just one hour of deliberation. Just one hour was all it took for them to say that she wasn't guilty. Um, I know right don't even ask any questions just go in quick vote not guilty see you later home in time for tea yeah god damn 
Do you bearing in mind as well. Was, like, oh yeah. Right. Bearing in mind as well that half the jury were probably local right. people yeah. that she taught their kids at Sunday school. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Maybe there was a bit of a conflict of interest potentially. Potentially. No one would have checked that. That was way before that sort of time. So who knows? But upon exiting the courthouse, Lizzie stated, I am the happiest woman in the world. But was that because she was cleared of a crime she didn't commit or because she had just gotten away with murder? What do you reckon, Dom? Oh, oh, you've put you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, this um, is up to you now. You've got to solve this case. Was she oh, guilty or not? I've got... <laughs> Because I'll go into like the local police station where this happened, and I'm like, right, guys, I've I've got it. I've cracked the case, and they're just like, what case? The Lizzie Borden case, and they're just like, Dom, it's 2022. Nobody but, cares. Yeah? <laughs> but your ship, like, I'd be like, but your your ship police work, like, <laughs> meant that it was unsolved. Um, oh, oh, I don't know, like, because that could be taken in either context, couldn't it? she could be the happiest girl in the world that she was cleared of murder or she could be the happiest girl in the world because she got away with you know caving two people's skulls in i don't know like like there's i think with everyone there's motive Mm -hmm. and there's reason um so i don't know genuinely i don't know if i could say if she did it or not there there are things that make me think you know maybe she's a bit she's a bit suspicious um you know changing her story so many times is a big thing that jumped out at me mm-hmm. um when you're if if there was innocence then she would be consistent in her recalling of the events and i'm not saying that not saying that she's not innocent but i'm just saying like there there wouldn't be a diversion in her story that'd always no. be a consistent thread so yeah i I don't know if I can commit either way, to be honest. Um, I think potentially she could have, but I think also potentially the maid would have good reason to do it. And the maid might have just gotten away with, you know, being a conspirator in in a murder. Um, the the nephew, would you say the nephew? Was it the nephew? No, not the, the uncle. Um, uncle. The uncle who had the financial potential. Um he would be a good suspect. I think when money's involved, like you always got to take that into really like that into serious consideration. So yeah, I, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really annoying and I'm going to be like, I can't commit either way. I'm going to be, I'm going to sit in the middle of the fence. <laughs> and Okay. And that's fine. Pick a side. That's fine. What about you though? Well, you're allowed to sit in the middle of the fence because there's one, sort of final bit to the tale that I haven't told you yet um, that might sway you. It might not, oh, but it okay. might sway you. So let's talk a little bit about what happened after the trial, after Lizzie was acquitted. So after the trial, Lizzie and Emma moved into a much larger house, a much more luxurious house, um, and they enjoyed some of the money that their father had left behind. Um, Lizzie became an avid theatre-goer and art collector, And she even fell out with her sister after throwing a lavish party for actress Nance O'Neill, upon whom she had a bit of a crush, supposedly. And there were rumours that she was having yet another lesbian affair, potentially. Um, This obviously added fuel to the fire that Lizzie was homosexual and led to her not speaking to her sister ever again. Or her sister not speaking to her ever again, I should say. Oh. 
Yeah, so a bit of a fallout there. Um, Lizzie remained alone and single for the remainder of her life. And after a brief stint as a shoplifter, I know, why are you shoplifting, you know, when you've got this much money? I know, I don't know where that came from. Maybe she was just thrill-seeking for a minute. But after a brief stint as a shoplifter, she died of pneumonia on the 1st of June, 1927. Um, Completely coincidentally, Emma, who she hadn't spoken to for years, her sister, died nine days later in a nursing home in New Hampshire. And despite the feud, despite having the, the sisters not having spoken for many, many years, they were buried side by side in the family plot. At the time of her death, Lizzie was worth around $250,000, which is about $5 million in today's currency. Um, she left 30000 of that to the... Yeah, a lot of money, right? She left 30000 of that to the Fall River Animal Rescue League and the rest was divided amongst cousins and friends. So she was suddenly worth a lot of money after her father and stepmother passed away. She obviously shared that with her sister, but they were both you know, equally worth a fair bit. They were not shy about spending that money. They immediately moved into a better house. They immediately you know, improved their lifestyles and, and went and painted the town red so you could say that was Mm -hmm. because why shouldn't they they were innocent their dad was dead um you know why shouldn't they spend some of his money it's perfectly within their right or you could say it was them celebrating the fact or lizzie in particular celebrating the fact that she'd gotten away with murder does that change your opinion are you you off the fence i don't know which is really annoying because I, I do want to, I genuinely do want to like pick a side and be like, no, she was innocent <laughs> or no, she did it. Because um, like you I mean, it, I mean, it's like you say, that could be taken as either they got money from the will. So why wouldn't they go and use that money? You know, it's not like if, if I made a will, you know, and, you know, my hypothetical children, when I would die, would go out and spend the money that I left them, I wouldn't you know come back from the grave and be like what are you doing <laughs> why are you spending that money i gave you so that's not unusual i don't think but like you say they could have been sort of using that as a flex to be like we've got all this money because we murdered you know we murdered our dad and we got away with it so now we're just going to flaunt this whole ill-gotten gain that we that we came out with i think yeah, I think I'm still probably going to have to be on the fence, to be honest. Which is I fair. I could take that either way. I, I think that's completely fair. I mean, like I said at the start, this is one of like my favourite cases. And there is, there's a really good movie about it. Um, it's got Chloe... Oh, I'm going to do the pronunciation thing again. Chloe Sevigny. No, Sevigny. Sevigny. I don't know how to say her name. But she's in it. She plays Lizzie Borden. Um, it's a really good movie. It really focuses heavily on the idea that she was having an affair with Bridget um, and that that was, you know, sort of the reason or they worked together um, to kill the Bordens. But it's a really good film. It really gives you a good background. Um, so I think a part of me quite likes that idea as a result of the film that they work together. And it does make a lot of sense, you know. Okay, okay granted, yeah. neither of them were found with bloody clothes, but that's because they, if they were working together and it was only those two in the house, and in fact, I think I actually got this from the film, why not, if they're already having a lesbian affair, they're the only two people in the house, why not both get naked, kill one each, and then get dressed? You've got plenty of time. 
and you could definitely just true. get dressed in 10 that minutes. That is true. You could throw something on in 10 minutes. Exactly. And and appear very clean and innocent. I don't know. That that's that's yeah. the theory that I like. Maybe it's the I don't know. Maybe it's the bisexual woman in me that quite enjoys that idea. But who knows? It's it's definitely the most plausible to me. Um so that's what I that's what I lean towards when I look at this case. But when I think about it, if I think, do you know what, maybe Lizzie did do it and maybe that's, you know, that is is the right theory. The police had it right. I kind of also think, do I care? Do I care that she did it? Because she was yeah, well, that's she it, was an it? activist. She was cool. She helped women and animals and she fought for suffrage. She was just a really, just a stand-up woman. You know, she there's a lot of people that never do stuff like that. They never process. They never use their voice. And she was fighting for good things. So if she killed her dad, yeah. who by the sounds of it was a bit of an arsehole, am I really that bothered? Well, that's it. That's what I, I was, that's pretty much what I was going to say was it's not like a serial killer who's grown up in, in a really supporting and loving household and then for whatever reason has gone on to, you know, be a, a serial killer and just a bit of a knobhead um by the sounds of it her dad was a bit of a fuckhead and the stepmom didn't sound too amazing either so it's not like she had a stable environment by the sounds of it so it turns out that she did you know do what do away with her mum and stepdad I don't think I would be angry I'd just be like well yeah not that I'm advocating for like serial killers and no of course you know, not. don't go and kill your no, parents no, um, n- never kill your parents yeah. you know if there's one takeaway <laughs> from this episode it's that killing your parents is still bad even if they're dickheads but yeah. <laughs> you know in the case of lizzie borden it is um it's slightly more understandable than in other cases but yeah that is lizzie borden and thus concludes my very first case taking the lead. Ooh. How did I do, Dom? <laughs> Hit me. Tell me how how did I do? Hit me. That's a very good choice. I mean, don't hit me. Discussing someone caving <laughs> someone's face in. <laughs> Hit me with a hatchet, um, Dom. How did I do? No, I I I thought you did a wonderful job. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to be like, oh, you're just saying that because I'm the co-host of the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I think you did. An amazing job, my lovely, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. And yeah, you smashed it. Like just like I said, I said that you would do an amazing job as your in your first solo solo run. So yeah, I'm proud of you. Genuinely, I am. You did very very Aww. good. Amazing. Thanks, thanks. I'm hoping you lovely right. listeners agree that I've done an all right job. I'm I'm sorry if it wasn't as smooth as Dom you know usually provides but hopefully you enjoyed it and if you did please do (laughs) leave us a like leave us a comment leave us a review and say some nice things about us but thank you for listening and dom i'll let you close out because this is your baby so you you end it for us why thank you um and yes we we hope you did enjoy um as a as someone who doesn't know a whole lot about you know the Lizzie Borden case um it was very very fun to uh, to sit down and to hear all about it and yeah like I said Amy smashed it for her first solo case I can't wait for you to do more 
I don't think I've shared this actually. Um, but what what we're going to do for for everybody listening is we're going to sort of alternate cases. So next week I'll take a case, and then you know it will be a, an Amy sode, and then it'll be a Dom sode, and then it'll be an Amy sode, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yes, I can't wait to to hear your next case but but yeah um don't forget to check out the socials on instagram and twitter at horrorhouse underscore pod give us a follow on there and also give us a follow on your podcast listening app of choice as amy said don't forget to rate and review and check out the patreon and the buy me a coffee page also and all that's left to say from me is until next time my friends stay spooky stay spooky y'all